This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. Today we are in April, and it has been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. We're going to talk about all those lovely things. But today I am with Teresa Kwan. She hails from Texas and she is living the life there. Talk about that. Thank you so much for joining us as well. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, here hailing from Austin, Texas. And oh boy, it is definitely, I was just thinking, doing a third throwback Thursday post on Instagram and I realized th- three weeks ago, I was, that was when things were starting to really crank up. I was actually in Colorado Springs and, um, you know, we were having almost like a staycation experience there coming back to Austin. I feel like it's, that was at least six months ago. These last two weeks have been absolutely insane. (laughs) Well, I, you know, it's funny you say three weeks. I'm just jealous because I've literally, it has been four weeks for me already. Four plus. Yeah. Yeah. We started early. Mm -hmm. We were one of the first. Yeah. But yeah, talk about your transitions. Where where are you going from and to right now? Sure, absolutely. Oh, wait, actually, I'll introduce myself for those people who don't know. Um, My name is Teresa Kwan, and I am the founder and CEO of Daringly Great Leadership. It is a consulting company that I have started, part of my story of rising from the ashes. Um, And, um, you know, we provide leadership coaching as well as business strategy for female founders and business owners who really want to put family and freedom first um, and have basically like that, you know, help design and help really scale a business that really supports the life that you want. So, um, so I'm excited to uh, be able to share what my journey has been like. It has definitely been a journey of twists and turns and many Phoenix moments. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about that. What brought you to where you are today and where did you come from? Sure. Oh my gosh. So I have probably one of the most non-traditional multiple nine live situations um you know it's a big running joke with the women that i mentor and even my family that i I have had a thousand lives and it's it's you know my career started quite early and a lot of it you know has to do with the entrepreneurial roots that i come from you know i come from three generations on both sides of my family of entrepreneurs and um, and also you know leaders and so growing up in a family business like that was actually my first job i did the books from our business and you know you learn a lot when you do the books and especially if it's family operation and from there you know that's probably a little over 25 years of working in every sector so nonprofit government and the private sector and gosh i don't even know where to start there but <laughs> That was, those those were all the twists and turns that have led me to burn it all down yet again and now make this the business that I'll be moving forward with um, and continuing to do social good. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, tell tell us about how, how your transition has basically occurred in this. I don't know I don't, what's the right word. I don't want to say this tumultuous time, but to some degree it is. 
It really is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Explain, explain. I mean, have you had to make any pivots within what you were doing today? I assume not so much. I assume you're, you're probably thriving in a remote capacity. Talk about what kind of adjustments you have seen, though. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be interesting to compare across those who are in the business consulting, you know, vertical as I am. Um, but for me, I will say that <laughs> it's it's interesting. I was speaking to um, an associate yesterday and he said, oh, it's like you had a prophetic edge. And what I mean by that is that I actually came into 2020 hearing very strongly that and it has really started in Q4 last year to really simplify my operations. And what I mean by that, I have this hashtag that I've developed over the past few months, and I had already been on this trajectory of slower, closer, deeper. And um, I know that's so opposite of most business owners and founders. You know, everything's really about bigger, better, you know, further, faster, et cetera. I mean, and hello, I was definitely subscribing to those um, those previous hashtags. But something in my gut had told me, no, actually, like, slim down, slow down, simplify, and um, so where I'm at, it's it's interesting. I feel like I've been so razor focused on the 5% in my business. And as a type A person, that's really hard to like let the 95% kind of go. But um, I feel fortunate that I've gotten really razor sharp about what I'm focusing on in my business and how I'm serving clients right now. And that's actually pulled through really steady. Um, now does that mean income wise, I've not been affected? The answer is no. Um, you know, I had contracts in the pipeline with clients who, um, were, you know, wanting to work one-on-one who were right in the middle of their decision. And then all this happened. And of course, of course the smart move is to pull back and evaluate and see, you know, whether this is the best move moving forward. Um, and so absolutely, I have been affected in terms of contracts. Um, I, you know, I was telling, uh, you know, a business friend of mine that I feel like I have been, and I feel like this is the same for all us all, because she said, oh my gosh, that's the best analogy. Um, I feel like that I can't get my sea legs right now in the midst of all of this because it's not like this steady current. It's like one moment, it's like this, these huge waves of storm and you're trying to like grab onto the side and then it sort of like calms out a little bit or you get the you know hang of it and then it like shifts to another pattern and there's always these unknowns that keep happening. And um, so, <laughs> so yeah. So, I mean, even recently, uh, some colleagues and I, we started pivoting actually towards um, – consulting specifically business owners through all of the uh, relief uh, packages and options out there because there's it's just so confusing. Um, And, you know, with my background in contracts and working in, you know, with a lot of business law, not an attorney, but I have worked with a lot of business law and negotiating M&As and et cetera, like it's it's been easy and working in government it's it's for whatever reason easier for me to interpret and strategize around what would be the best option for each individual business because each individual business or and or even individual 
the options like it's just such a tetris moment right now so so with that i'll say that i've been doing most of a lot of that work pro bono for a little bit and now i'm starting to take on clients consulting clients for that awesome awesome well it looks like you're you're ahead of the game because i mean in the context of what you're doing i can't imagine besides the fact that yeah everybody's trying to cut their budgets potentially due to the yes. threat to their economic stability yes, absolutely you have an a very, very portable business, very flexible. So that yes. gives yourself a lot of opportunity. You know, yes, absolutely. I used to, I just remember back in the day, after having children, I said to myself, I have to work remotely, especially mm-hmm. because where I was in my life wasn't lending itself to making me see my children because I'm that kind of workaholic. And I know that if I were to go out, I wouldn't want to, like, I would want to come home, but I wouldn't want to come home because I would want to also make sure everything mm-hmm. is done and I want to be very efficient and I'm very logistical and I'm very operations minded. So all that stuff, ultimately, I'm an in- inbox zero, you know, type mm-hmm. A person like you. And mm-hmm. I knew that that would be too difficult. So I ended up saying to myself, I need to find work from home jobs, work remote jobs, remote jobs, remote jobs, mm-hmm. and nothing, no mm-hmm. business except for very yeah. few, which are very open about it. But, you know, those are the ones, once you're like already in their their talent pool that's where you're going from there so to some degree especially if you want to have that kind of flexibility and I think women in particular Mm -hmm. especially I think there was a piece that wasn't the Atlantic White House uh, employee article Mm -hmm. about like you can't have it all Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I used to see that and I used to say I identify with that you can't have that all if you're going to be in an office you might Mm -hmm. be able to have a little more of it if you're working from home and now this particular world right now is kind of forcing people to to realign their mm-hmm. expectations in terms of, hey, we can be productive over the yeah. phone. We can be productive remotely. We can be productive over Skype. We have face-to-face on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing for me personally. And I, I want to make this <laughs> about you, but I do want to talk about something that's been really interesting for me. Um, you know, being that this is four weeks and being that, like, I thrive in remote environments, <laughs> just, like, I, I actually have my, I use WhatsApp. We use WhatsApp groups for my community. And I have, like, a new, a new uh, tagline for myself, like a boss. Because I've <laughs> taken the initiative to, and every single day, and, and every single day, different establishments, making sure people are fed, making sure people mm-hmm. are being given like produce. So I'm having relationships with vendors while also <laughs> having relationships with people and messaging them on like WhatsApp, just like that. Here, you owe this money, and you owe this money, and your pickup is here, and your pickup is there, and everybody has different pickups. There's like, we have we have 75 people for one of them, and there's divide that, and that's about eight different locations and I have to everybody has different assignments that's one thing and that there's another thing with a different mm-hmm. like, it's insane it's absolutely insane but like I'm realizing wait a minute and every, people are asking me it's funny people are asking what do you do for a living <laughs> like what mm-hmm. do you and I'm like you know what if everything fails I have a job with you right so um you know you just have to kind of pivot your mindset and your attitude to also make sure that you're able to accommodate those the crazy uncertainty of our time mm-hmm. I mean I completely am there with you and you know, I most the most recent, um, I guess, workplace industry that I was working in 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 Austin, Texas. Surprise, not surprise, is I was working in tech startup, and uh, <laughs> and you know that I know, and you know, and anyone that works in in tech startup knows it's a whole nother level of hair on fire. And, um, and I hear you, I was there and I think, and that's, you know, my story has everything to do with having to 
really stop and realize the like the toll it was taking on my marriage, on my family, on my like health. Um, and you know, because it's, it's mocked to with your hair on fire using a top gun reference. And it was, I, I live, breathe, eat, ate, like work 80, 90 hours a week. Um, I mean, I, I would fall asleep on my laptop, on my kitchen table, you know, at the end of the day at three in the morning and then wake up to the CEO calling me at seven. Like that was my life for so many years. Um, and if you don't do that, you're lesser than. Right. Um, exactly. and, that environment and, is very hustle, hustle. Yes, it is. And a little bit toxic. I'll tell you that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you talk about this in a way you, you're also positioning it in a way that you're not getting any sleep. Of course, there's a, there's besides the emotional element of it. There's the talk, to- the physical toxicity of like mm-hmm. feeling, feeling like you have to be on call and beholden to people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I also made my own pivots. Yes, exactly. And it's so funny. Um, you know, I funny and yet not funny um, that right now with what's happening, the the biggest disruption that has happened, and, and that's a great, you know, a really great buzzword inside of the startup um, realm is, um, you know, be a disruptor. We like disrupting industries and systems and what's broken. And, and I'm like, well, guess what? Um, God, universe, mother nature, whatever you call it, um, has been the biggest dis- disruptor of all right here, right now. This has disrupted and this is what I keep saying, it's like the mania and the rapid loss of control, even though we think we're in control, the rapid rev up and the loss of control that the whole globe was like operating at and losing touch with the things that were the most important. And, you know, for me, I will say the most important has everything to do with family, has everything to do with truly, truly my values and my health and um and here we are inconvenienced quote unquote to have to just really focus on those very things um so i think it's interesting um and and i don't know i mean i when i worked in startup you know we had the option of having work from home and working remotely i mean i remember hiking machu picchu and still having to dial in remote for work even though they said unlimited pto um and i i don't know what the pace has been like for you know uh for startups i mean do you because my colleagues i know that everybody's going through shock and grieving like all the pattern the seven stages of grief like it's happening uh so so yeah so i don't know if startups are accommodating for that or not but i know that the lifestyle i was living before when working in startups it did not have any room for you to even stop and go to the bathroom sometimes To your point, uh, to your comment about startup culture and whether or not they're, they have the flexibility, I think there's a lot of adjustment everywhere. A lot of people are having, um, it's just everything is in turmoil right now. I had a guy who was coming, who came to my house uh, in the beginning of this whole thing. And he was, I think it was the beginning of a job. And I texted him later on about something and he had said to me, I lost the job. Um, I don't know how many, what cultures, where there, I saw, I read an article about how, um, we can, how this pandemic is actually 
causing for some right yeah um, president was bragging that we had the lowest unemployment employment rate ever we're starting to see some of the weaknesses here we are but completely reversing that so their job yeah i can't i i mean i there's got to pop up you know what's interesting is that you know the very beginning of all of this like four weeks ago i will admit i was and i'm still sort of there like i'm at the camp of saying like hey panicking is not going to help right but let's take this seriously we're smart human beings let's like not use the lizard brain part to make decisions right now and and yet what has been interesting to observe like you were saying there's some people taking it seriously some people who are not um, I was actually reading articles last night at the Atlantic is actually one of my favorite sources right now. Um, and I was reading articles last night and it was saying like, what there, there, unfortunately there is a very, um, like high correlation of political divide and demographics in terms of like the way people are responding, whether or not they're adhering to the, I guess you can say some of the government, local governments has that done the lockdown procedures and others haven't. But regardless, there's a guideline to social distance, right? But yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's scary to see how, I don't know, maybe some people are thinking it's, it's a, it's a YOLO carpe diem, you know, if I get the virus, whatever moment versus thinking a little bit more broader, you know, longer term. And even if you might be healthy, thinking about how you might be contributing to the effect of someone else even losing their life. Right. So, um, but in terms of the unemployment, you know, and I know this firsthand because my husband actually is in the service sector. He's a chef. And um, so recently lost his uh, role, his job. And I know so many people who are in the hospitality and service industry. And and I would say a great vast majority of people um, uh, in the unemployment block is there. Um it's so it's so interesting how interdependent our life is, like from the the people that um, cook our yummy, you know, make our yummy sushi to the people who, um, you know, clean houses to the people who cut our hair to the people who, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and 30% to me is like super low. It's, it's pretty um, scary. 30% of like millions of people. And then you imagine when everything reopens and uh, the floodgates mm-hmm. open and these employers are going to be flooded, flooded with applications yep. beyond yep. what their expectations were, beyond mm-hmm. their wildest dreams. And they're not even going to find potentially the best candidate because how can they even wait through all that volume? Mm-hmm. It's going to be, it's gonna be well, crazy. I mean, exactly. exactly. Right. And that's it's so great that you're bringing that up because uh, um, so part of what I do is like I help uh, business owners and companies like really create that talent pipeline um, and, you know, how to like select, you know, I learned quite a lot working in government nonprofits, you know, Fortune 100 um, and startups, like how to select great talent. And <laughs> it's going to be an absolute nightmare later. So I'm glad that you're seeing that. Uh, and I don't know that anyone is prepared for that either. No, there's nothing um, you're prepared for here. No, no. And, um, you know, at some point, I don't know that it's now. I don't think people are ready now. Um, but I know that that's part of the conversation um, that I'll be, you know, 
like speaking into because golly, I mean, I was reading articles that was saying comparing this finally, I w- I've been saying this, it's like this, the only biggest de- disruptor des- des- uh, thing that's decimated our economy like this was the Great Depression and World War Two, World War One and Two. And, um, and I started seeing articles that finally made those parallels. And I was like, yes, you know, like, <laughs> um, this is, you know, people keep talking about a new normal and I'm like, no, there is no normal anymore. You know, we're changed. We're changed. We're going to change society. It's not going to go back to what it used to be like. And I don't think it's meant to. Hopefully the restaurant for Um, your husband's sake and just in general, I hope, hope the restaurants come back. Thank you. And, you know, eventually I believe they will because, if anything, people are sick of cooking. Out, well, you know? <laughs> I will tell you, I don't have the time or the energy to cook, and it's very stressful for me personally. So I have been relying on takeout, and it's very bad for me because I've been so diligent. My self-care routine is part of like running and going to the gym, two of things that I can't do. Running a little bit, but because I had the virus, I actually have been unable to like do it to the same degree. I can't leave my property, so I'm doing it on my property, and I'm doing it slower, and I'm doing it in intervals. So all those things mean that um, I'm not even diligent about that. And then I'm not like I used to do one meal a day, intermittent fasting, and I can't really do that because my mind is not in the right place. So I think a lot of people are finding that they're struggling. There's, it's, it causes it, it's it like it creates a lot of tumult and turmoil in your in your own inner inner mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I think that's you know what's interesting. Um, I love this quote, and I've always said this, but I feel like it's so appropriate now, is that um, crisis crisis reveals what was always within. And um, I think one of the things that we as a society are having to grip with that's been so difficult is, you know, and if you think about, and I'm going to get nerdy for a second, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs Um that all of us have been in the, like a lot of, I guess you can say not all of us, but like a lot of people are pretty much obsessed with the question of like, why am I put on this earth? You know, like what else can I achieve and how can I, you know, make more money or get that um, promotion, et cetera. And that's like the very top of the pyramid of like self-efficacy. And um, this has just knocked us on our total be behinds. I have no idea if you can swear on this podcast or not. Keep it, keep it like that. Keep it G-rated yeah. just in well, case. Yeah. 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 And we are like now down to, because there's five levels of Maslow and we're down to the first two, which is number one is um, food and shelter. That's very bottom. And second um, has to do with safety, right? And um, when you're knocked down to those very, very basics, like uh, when you're operating at the very top, it reveals where you might not have been had the foundation. Right. I mean, this the level above that has to do with like belonging. And, um, you know, when you're going so fast and furious, going after the bigger bucks and the bigger titles and et cetera, um, you don't necessarily realize that you might have had a shaky base to your pyramid. And I think that's something that's being revealed is that people who, um, you know, have been operating by, um, with perhaps, you know, maybe have had like an incredibly like trim body, like a great portfolio, like 
everything looks great on the outside, but on the inside, which have to do with mindset and beliefs and et cetera, um, or even relationships, like on the inside, it was not as solid. Um, so we're coming to grips with that. I have to talk to one thing and then I want to like talk about your rising above the ashes stories because I know you had a couple to talk about, but you know, in terms of the belonging, I will say that, and I've written two articles about this. Number one, an article about how I tested positive for coronavirus and we all, you know, it, it was more about like what you were, I think you were talking about earlier about our responsibility to stay indoors because, you know, we are, even if we're not carrying it, we could potentially be saving lives. But the other one was about the quarantine in general. And I wrote it before anyone really had a quarantine. So it had more of an impact because everybody was like, oh, you're in quarantine. Oh my God, sorry. And now everybody's in quarantine. So no one's reading it. But it was a very profound article. And it was about the fact that because I am in quarantine, we, um, you know, we, we, deferred to our communications on a WhatsApp group. And I, and this is a community-wide WhatsApp group, people, it was the whole, the whole um, coronavirus spread actually started in my synagogue. And I always had a, I struggled socially in my synagogue. I moved in, I was depressed when I moved in, things were very difficult, and I had a very, very difficult time breaking, um, you know, breaking the ice with people. And I still do have difficulty with that. And when we finally uh-huh. found myself in this WhatsApp group, I felt like because there aren't there, we don't see each other's ages, we don't see what we're wearing. There's uh-huh. we only have names, and that's it. It made me feel finally, I like I belong somewhere. And this whole story oh. about oh. that, it took me a really long so time. Good. And I said, you know, this too shall pass. But in, in the end, I'm not sure I really wanted to. Like that's how it kind of ended. Uh-huh. So the belonging was there, and I'm not sure if I have the stuff underneath. That's, but that was so a really good. interesting part. I think for anybody who's really struggling, you got to find your community, and hopefully you'll have people to to um, you know uh-huh. kind of lean on. Uh, a lot of WhatsApp groups have kind of came out as uh, not so much WhatsApp groups, but also Facebook groups have been erected specifically for um, working within the quarantine. And I, I think uh-huh. I, I highly recommend that anybody looking who are who's struggling. Uh, either create your own if you haven't had if you don't have one yet or mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. otherwise you can try to join an existing one I've been invited to three so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. somewhere like as far as Australia and somewhere as far somewhere as local as my own community actually there's a lot more than three if I consider the local community is actually at least five mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. six so uh, but when you when you start to think about it, it's global because this is a global there's global impact to this now um, there, there, there's opportunities to really do this everywhere. Yeah, no, I love that you're underscoring community right now. It's one of the biggest, um, one of my top values and, you know, again, like hearing just kind of just really in the moments I can center and just hear like, okay, what, what next? Right. And, um, there are two things that have come up for me in the last like week. Um, I feel like it's been six months, but it's only been like a two or three weeks for us, at least for me. Yeah. Today yeah. is, today is like, March what if, 40, uh, 47th. Yeah. <laughs> what? April? There's no April. Exactly. I should have introduced <laughs> this as, hey, welcome to the podcast. Today is March 55th. Uh, I don't even know right. anymore. After right. Captain's yeah. Log yeah. Day yeah. 2001. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh, but yes, just to underscore belonging, I know that... Um, so one of the things I've heard is to gather in circles of hope that um, I love that you said that. Yes, we absolutely need community more than ever. And I love like I was reading again. I'm like a crazy reader. I love this. I love that right now. Like this. One of the positive things that's come out from it is that COVID-19 has in a, in essence like level the playing field 
where we're coming together not by social status, economic status, like our alumnus or our industry or other, like maybe even our you know synagogue or the church. We're not coming together based on those kinds of social circles. This is truly like really dissolved so many of the barriers that have in essence like we've caught we might have had community we may not have been able to fit in or not but it it really did divide us right it divided us more but now we have this thing that is now it's an international it's global and that puts us all into one category and the one category truly is that we are the human race and um and coming coming together behind um, missions like the gr- amazing work that you're doing right now, like that supersedes a lot of what had determined social kind of circles and groups. Um, and in nonprofit sector, they have this thing called social capital, which is essentially like saying the re- the relationship is currency. Um, yeah, we we need this more than ever and. And if you're in to any of your listeners who are feeling like, well, I don't even know where to find one or how do I get into a group or I'm not really good in groups. I'm an introvert. I mean, hell, I'm an introvert right here um, is uh, is to do this. Like, I mean, I created I just tapped a few friends from even my college days. Someone pointed out that we haven't been together in almost 25 years and um we got together all on Zoom because guess what? Nobody has plans on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and get together. And it was just so, you know, it was it was very nurturing. Um, and it's, it's something we need right now. So um, I'm so glad that you're finding community um, in all of this. And for those people who are still maybe thinking, you know, I'm fine. I have my job, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I want to challenge that. You want, Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, who knows yeah. what, what it's going to look like if this becomes a long-term thing. That's also exactly. a sphere. Exactly. You know, like to some degree, and I know we want to talk about your, like your story and we're kind of like pivoted, we, we've pivoted within the podcast about like how it's, it's funny. Like I want to hear, obviously I want, I do want to hear your rising above the ashes story, but like at the same time, to some degree, we're all in ashes right now, and this is kind of how we're rising. So it is kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, almost almost a little more appropriate, especially in the context of where we are right now. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and so, so yeah, um, talk about that because I know we're we're gonna be like I realize. So. Yeah, we could talk about this forever, right? Yeah, um, gosh, I have so many start overs. <laughs> burned down for me or where I lit the match myself. Um, and I will, you know, I could talk about my most recent and I, I started making reference to how, you know, really I just one day had to start looking at my life from the outside. Either you can say in some ways the truly the inside out or from a you know, outside in meaning third person standpoint. But, you know, I was working head of product, but also as a chief of staff um, I, in a startup that, um, and also consulting founders because I used to um, like prep for uh, fundraising round and or work on the other side of the table, help VCs like vet um, startups. Uh, so it, you know, it's interesting. I had this very noble. I wouldn't say it was, you know, uh, like. 
I would say it was maybe short-sighted, even if I thought it was far-sighted, like longer term. But, you know, I had been in a – I got married later in my life because I was in, you know, major career mode and going for it. Um, and I had aged parents basically as soon as I got married. So that put me in this breadwinner, weird breadwinner seat. Um, and so for me, like, you know, working – as much as I did and trying to get the titles became less, less about me because I'm never really a title grabber. I've never been that person. Um, but I realized that that was tied to salary for me. And, you know, I having to be the breadwinner of aged parents with hospital bills and, you know, all that, I really thought like, you know, get the promotions, get more, do, do all that, make more money because this is to support my family and um, on top of that, doing consulting. And it was honestly, I don't think I even realized um, how unhealthy my boundaries were because it just, my work was my life. And um, I had a very young marriage. Um, and, you know, it was actually his parents. So I don't know that he could have said anything because he felt bad. Uh, that we were in this position because it wasn't like planned, you know. Um, and but like, you know, I was we were basically like not we basically would have like one like 40 minutes to an hour on the couch watching something on TV together when he would get off his work shift because he was a chef. So he'd get home at 11 p.m. And for me, I've just been working nonstop, like maybe went to the bathroom, maybe might have put something in my mouth to eat, maybe had some water kind of thing. And our we basically had a roommate status, like basically barely saw each other marriage. And we were fighting a lot. And um, and I was getting sick. And I was, you know, not taking care of myself. And I felt constantly stressed. And I already had a history of adrenal fatigue. And I knew all the symptoms. And I was like, well, here it comes again. Um, and I was gaining like 50 pounds. And it was just like, I saw all the signs. But the moment that it all led to was, you know, one day think, you know, as I'm just like, just keep going, just keep going until we can. One day found myself on the floor in the middle of snot and tears and my husband and I are fighting yet again. And my husband asked me for a divorce. And that it was like in that moment, it was like if there was a movie director who had like played out that moment, it's like my whole life collapsed in front of me. And I saw these patterns that even were repeating from my parents um, because and it, it was like this, you know, almost enlightenment moment where I realized like, oh, my gosh, I have been operating from a formula for success taught to me by my parents and my parents started like they, they had a rise from the ashes and I'm so grateful, you know, started with 50 bucks in their pocket, my dad, 50 bucks in his pocket. And then, you know, doing everything under the sun, including my parents and put us into the middle class, gave us an incredible life. And, all of it was through workaholism. You know, you work hard. You need to know what the value of a dollar is. Like, turn off the lights if you're not in that room. Like, we, <laughs> uh, I, I followed that same formula for success and realized that 
I started sacrificing the same way that my parents did, um, which was just, just work to the bone. This is for being able to provide for your loved ones. Um, you know, it really did not become anything about like trying to get the promotion. For me, it was more like, what else can I do to support my family better? Um, but it, what happened was that completely deteriorated my marriage, that completely deteriorated my health. Um, and then uh, on top of all of that, like I was absolutely miserable because I did not, I was not living according to my own values. Um, and there were so many decisions being made in the startups that I worked with that I just couldn't, it just would make me sick. And yet sometimes, you know, when you're either chief of staff or you like had a whole department of product, like I have to then be the mouthpiece and implement things that decisions that are made from, you know, the C level that I didn't even agree with to the core of my being. Um, and then on top of that, then have to like, you know, what was happening with my own health and my family. And I knew it had to change, but I just kind of was like, well, went straight back into everything. I had a second moment. Um, you know, we, my husband and I were like, okay, we need to like, just like break up this pattern that we're in. So we took this giant trip, went to go see my friends in the UK. And I remember sitting, having coffee in a garden outside. Oh no, tea, of course, it's the UK. And she's a longtime friend of mine. Um, and she just stops and she just had tears in her eyes. And she's like, Teresa, I have never seen you this dead before. You know, and here am I thinking like, I just went to Iceland and climbed a like iceberg and iceberg or the glacier and I feel great. And she's like, no, you, I've never seen you this dead before, you know? And I feel like that moment just popped. It's just like really like anything I mustered back up to get right back into work. I just like popped everything. And, and of course I'm bawling and thinking like, I can't, everything that I was, I would, the meltdown I had inside, like just it took over. And I started my exit plan. And what the interesting thing was, and for me, like I do believe in in God and divine, like hand in things. Um, I started my exit plan to re-kickstart like my co consulting business and exit the company. So I had the, I had the six month plan. And what was so interesting and ironic, and I'm over it now, was that during those six months, and we don't have to go fully into it, but there was this whole case built to basically exit me. You know, I'm like a triple protected class. I'm, you know, in my 40, over 40, I'm a minority and I'm a woman in like senior leadership. And they had to build an ironclad case to like exit me from the company and built this terrible case around it and it just like further confirmed how I was not working within my own integrity and my own values and I was I was exited from the company the very company that I helped build from scratch and um, was you know decimating my own personal life um, and I mean uh, and ironically in some ways in the moment you know they called me into the room and I just knew what was about to happen and and part of me was so angry because 
I felt really wronged by a lot of the, you know, a lot of things were fabricated, let's just put it that way, uh, to build a case. But I just, I just said, thanks. Thanks. Because this is, this to me is mercy and I'm not meant to be here, but it is a blow to the ego and it was a blow to our um, income stream. It was a total, it was terrible because they actually tore down my reputation um, in the process. So, um, you know, all the things that you don't want to hear, um, from a leadership or, you know, from an industry, I'm pretty well known in the startup industry here in Austin. Um, and what I had to find, um, what I had to like, what, what I had to do was realize that my worth and my identity was not my job. My worth in my identity was not how much money I brought home. My worth in my identity was not my job title even or my associations through what, you know, reputable company I worked for or what name drops I can make or, um, you know, who I went to happy hour with or, uh, you know, what projects and how much money I was able to, you know, make through my, you know, latest launch, like all the, the metrics that, many of us, um, kind of go after to say, Hey, I've done it. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm an incredible asset to the world, you know, um, all of those things just, I had to peel all those layers off that the society had taught me, um, and come down to like, who am I, who am I? And that who I am is inherently worthy. Um, who I am and what I believe and what I stand for, that that is that is paramount above um, what other I guess metrics for success um, say you are worthy to be seen or worthy to be included or um, etc. So that was a process that I. Um, have gone through actually multiple times, like having to re-identify with who I am and my values and what's most important to me. Um, and I would say the most recent time, which, you know, the older, the wiser, <laughs> um, I, I chose to also burn down my consulting business that, um, that was, you know, working a lot with the startup founders that were in the fundraising round. Um, and, um, designed a business and uh, that was only going to support the lifestyle and the values that I truly stood for at the end of the day, stripped away from all the things that I've been trained to believe is, you know, how you make yourself valuable in the world. Um, so, so here am I. That, and that's how I, I pivoted my business, my consulting business. And now I, only work with people who are truly, truly going to put people first, who truly want to build a lifestyle that um, values family. I mean, because I've definitely learned my lesson. I mean, we've we def we've not divorced. Um, we saved our marriage. Um, we're stronger than ever. And um, and yeah, I I just I think I realized that 
with the experience and the background and the expertise that I have and bring to the table, especially across three sectors and also the globe, like I worked globally, um, that I have my own secret sauce now on how, what are best practices and um, how to do things in the lean startup fashion that is very values, you know, um, truly values aligned, um, truly missions driven, not based on the buzzwords that we hear from startup where they're like, oh, we are a values or culture first. And I'm like, mm, no, man, <laughs> I've been, yeah. I have been in leadership where that's just a bunch of Kool-Aid. Something you could totally mimic. I, I had the same similar situation as well, like overworked mm-hmm. and it took a toll and I ended up having, to, uh, you know, I had the foresight in my, I don't know if I had the foresight because it was still incredibly stressful and I was depressed and I had a, I had a family that, um, I had a, I have a husband who, who completely like, I would have left me if I knew, like if I was in that position and he was amazing. And, but I did have the foresight to, to know, because if I did it any other way, it would have been so much worse. But it was still pretty bad for nine years, and um, oh and, and I had to pro- prioritize differently. But even when I prioritized, being in my house didn't change the m- mentality. The workers' right, mindset right. was just—it was just very difficult. And it's 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 extremely extremely difficult when uh, when mm-hmm. when you're when you're in a position where you you are you feel like beholden and you want you're beholden to 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 everybody your stakeholders and all the people around you and and yet you're you put yourself behind so mm-hmm. but yeah exactly but i'm glad you're in a place where you're better and happier and i mean i can tell for, by your attitude that there you know this is we're still i think all of us as as a human race as we talked about you talked about earlier we're all in ashes right now and we're kind of climbing out through it and you know, it's really about where you where your head is today, uh, and hopefully, where it'll hopefully be there tomorrow. Because if you have the right attitude today, hopefully, it could only be better tomorrow. It's gonna get worse before it gets better, and that's terrifying exactly. for me. Exactly. But at the same time, keep keep your head above the ashes and not inside of them. Exactly. Yes, and you know, this is this is what we're refined to right now. This is a this is a reset. This is a global reset time and you can choose to to fight it. <laughs> you can choose to fight it and try to maintain your quote normal, but um, society has changed. The world has changed. And if you're operating based on the old OS, you're not going to thrive in this new one. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. L- l- let's talk about how you're trying to thrive. I mean, you told mm-hmm. you said in the beginning, and uh, unfortunately, we did have like a recording issue. So you talked about how your your transition is basically your living room to the bedroom, which I guess is the best you can do under the circumstances of being in isolation. <laughs> but right. But yeah. In reality, when it's not, well, what are you doing now to stay sane? And what do you what do you usually do to stay sane? What's your self care like? Hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you're asking. I mean, we all have. I'm always like. You know, instead of like comparing other things, I feel like lately this is the conversation. It's like, what's working for you, you know? Um, And so I would say the first one is this, is just grace over grind. I think like if you are a high achiever, ultra, ultra high achiever, like you and I probably are ultra high achiever. We have, um, you know, probably with the edge of perfectionism, we're used to like being able to do a thousand things at one time. Um, you know, we had, uh, we figured out how to basically really navigate the old OS. Um, 
But right now, the conditions are changing all the time. And, um, you know, even like when my, you know, my earlier background was like in project management and et cetera. And you really always have to like readjust your plan based on like the, the circumstances, conditions, situations, stakeholders, et cetera. And guess what? All of that is in flux. So, um, so right now I think Grace Over Grind is, and when I say that is that, yeah, you're, you're probably going to be at in the single digits of productivity, compared to what you used to be able to do. And that's okay. And and you have to give yourself permission for that. Um, I know that like, (laughs) one of the things that you said earlier, and I said, I've been saying it too, is that like, I'm like, my brain is broken right now. I know I have a mind, but like my brain is, I cannot even like recall certain vocabulary words. (laughs) Like (laughs) we're so out of, um, you know, and I'll talk about entrainment in a little bit. Uh, so, um, and, or, you know, now we have people in the house and childcare and this and that just like completely disrupting everything. And, and then just like the grief in general of the loss grief on so many levels, loss of whether or not you have income loss or not, but it is a grief of like the loss of loved ones, loss of those in our communities. And also I will say a loss of what was normal. And I don't know that people are talking about that. Um, so grace, don't grind. This is, I think that it's, it's like, um, right now, like with sea legs, if you can't, if you like, you're not getting your sea legs right now, then you're not meant to like, you know, stand in Superman pose like a stiff right now thinking you can just handle it. You've got to stay flexible and, um, have some grace permission to, to not be all that you were. (laughs) Um, the second thing for me, um, is really, um, a spiritual practice. Um, and you know, I think right now in this whole world of, uh, constant chaos, change, turmoil, what have you, uncertainty, um, you know, you need, and if you're, if you've watched lost that TV, ABC TV series, um, there was a constant and um, I think we all need some kind of constant and I don't know what, whether or not people um, ha- are religious or not or your listeners, but um, for me, a spiritual practice and connecting to, to God or a higher source has been um, so um, bedrock for me and, um, and it's given me space to just in essence, like really have a place to like be very full Monty with, um, without having the vocabulary of all my feelings and my thoughts, um, and trying to see things from a higher perspective that is, um, less in the, in the weeds right now. And I think right now, the reason why it's so chaotic is, you know, every news update, every email, every text, every whatever that's giving us new information, we're in the weeds of it. And um, if everything is moment by moment, we're going to we're going to lose ourselves to that. Like it's just our psyche just cannot handle it. Um, the third is some form of move your body. And I'm not even going to call it exercise. It's just like, just move your body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's not much you can do when you're, right? when you're, there's a guy who actually in China, I think he did a, ma- a marathon in his, in his living room because he couldn't do, go anywhere oh else. Uh, right. He, right. Had, he had, yeah. he has, he has to watch a... movements to, to, to show proof of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, you gotta move, yeah, you your, gotta body. move your body. And, um, and, 
you know, if you know uh, much about anxiety um, and like the way the body, the um, sympathetic um, system kicks in when you are in fear, which also can is um, anxiety does signal to your body the same way fear does, like as an alliance about to jump on you. You have all of this extra. The reason why you feel kind of like is because your body is turned on the sympathetic um, nervous system and has, you know, it, and it'll be good for you guys to watch like and learn a little bit more about the, how the brain and the body work. But um, now you have this influx of adrenaline that's meant for you to now quickly run away from the lion. But there is no lion in front of you right now. <laughs> so if you're buzzing with anxiety and you're worrying and you're, your things, your, your head's starting to squirrel and I get those moments, as soon as I can like recognize it, I start moving my body. Um, and I, um, it's so interesting. I bought this before, but I have a rebounder. Um, so those little mini trampolines and we have a rule in our house. Now, every time you pass the rebounder, you do at least a hundred jumps. And, um, but like I'll go rebound. That's my one. Um, I'll go outside for a fresh air and a walk and we'll walk our dog. Um, and, the third is um, uh, with that, with the move your body is like, I'll get creative. So like there's a lot of free resources out there and you can choose your pick, Pilates, yoga, like weight, body weight exercises, like get an app, whatever. Do something, even if it's for five minutes and get it out of your system, run up and down your stairs, you know, like um, to move your body. And then I would say the last thing is I try to eat as whole as possible. You know, one of the it's you know, people always say like eat your vegetables. Um, <laughs> but like uh, scientifically, I will tell you that dark greens actually are the antioxidants that you need for relieving stress. So not only is it just like eat your vegetables, like eat green, leafy, dark green, leafy vegetables um, if you can get it. And or anything green, because what the the nutrients that are in it, it actually um, helps lower your stress. So uh, much to my husband's demise or like to my <laughs> to not his demise, but to to his chagrin, we are eating lots of leafy green vegetables. He hates it, but like we're doing it. Um, and. I'll say pro tip too, and if you can get it, if you can handle the uh, texture, because some people don't like it, is seaweed. So seaweed has so many nutrients, vitamins, and minerals uh, that is restorative to the body, Um, but and it also cleanses your um, blood. So um, you know, right now we have a lot. I mean, even whether or not you are ill. Um, whether whatever that is like right now, we all need some detoxing because our body's just like full of all the chips and the junk that we're eating and the stress and the, you know, uh, so whether that's dry form, there's, you can make a soup, you can make instant versions of seaweed, whatever that is like, um, I mean, talk about dark green. Um, I'm going to tell you that that stuff's going to really help reset you. Awesome. Um, yeah, the, I like, I like that mindset movement and munchies is the way i would probably uh, i love it yeah. yeah cool cool amazing well um if you have maybe like a i don't know a 30 second uh, advice for anybody here i would love to hear it mm, yeah 
connect. I would say connect. And when you're connecting, get real. I feel like there's some people connecting right now who are still doing the schmoozy networky thing. And, and I'm like, guess what people, other people and not just me are going to see right, right through it Yeah. Right, right now. What's real, what's truly real and what's truly the most important is what's going to help you ride this and, um, and be strong through the whole time. So yeah, authenticity all the way. And, what's real um and connect 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 cool awesome yeah i really like that i also think that it's 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 funny um in terms of connection try to crave the things that you might not necessarily like i hate being on the phone but i will say that because of the uh, the where we are now it's like i i actually appreciate getting a phone call it's very weird it's really like you said the world is changing and i completely see that mm-hmm. we do need we're made to need each other so um so it's we're being taught. We're being reminded, you know, like. <laughs> need to come back to our roots in a very unusual way. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, well, thank so. you so much, Teresa. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. And I do hope, like, anything I shared is going to be of help. And, um, and yeah, you guys buckle up. This is not something that's going away before Easter or the end of the month. This is where the society has changed as we know it. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time, 